Um, well, like many Australians, um, I like sport. I like to watch sport. Um, I don't know if you saw it, many of you will have been alive, some of you not. Um, in 1999, um, what's often known as the greatest cricket match ever, between the semi-final of the World Cup one-dayers between Australia and South Africa, and Australia beat South Africa, um, just. Uh, it was terrific. Um, it was fantastic, it was exciting. But in the end, I think like any sport, it leaves you just that little bit hollow, that little bit empty. Because while it's, um, it's great, it's good fun, it's enjoyable, in the end, it's not something that really matters. I think when we do something that really matters, that gives us a much more complete feeling. And as we look at this um, passage in Philippians today, Paul Lightlounds how it's going with him. And as he shows how he's going, he shows us what's really important to him. And he shows us uh, three things that really matter. And Paul's way of life, Paul's uh, pattern of thinking, is not something that we should just sit back and admire. Uh, Paul wants us, in fact, to copy it. Um, just flip over the page with me, if you will, um, to 3 verse 17. So the, the passage we looked at was on page 1178 of the church Bibles. Um, and just over a bit, the next page, uh, Paul says in this book of Philippians 3 verse 17, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. See, Paul's example isn't just something to admire. It's something for us to follow. So back to this passage. He shows us three things that matter. Um, now, uh, in your outline, you'll see a, a detailed outline this week. Um, I think there's a few people away, and that's why it didn't make it. So the, out, the outline is uh, roughly equal proportions. Um, Christ's message matters. Christ's glory matters. And Christ's church matters. So first of all, Christ's message matters. See, Paul, Paul says how he's going. And when he talks about how he's going, what he's actually talking about is Christ's message, how it's going. Have a look from verse 12. He says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. See, Paul... Uh, he's in chains, those, a version of a prison in those days. They often um, people can come and go as they pleased unless you're the one in prison and then you are the one in chains. So Paul is there and he's, what he sees as important is that it's actually served to advance the gospel. Paul's, Paul's condition didn't matter to Paul for Paul's sake, but for the gospel's sake. And he says at the end, uh, in verse 18, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or truth, Christ is preached. See, that's, that's the important thing to Paul. And I wonder if you picked up, um, as this passage was read, who was preaching this gospel. Uh, verse 14. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become more confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. So who's proclaiming it? Paul doesn't say, um, because of my chains, there's this very fine speaker over here called Tom who is now proclaiming the gospel brilliantly. He doesn't say that, does he? He says most of the brothers and sisters, they're the ones who are proclaiming the gospel. 
And when we look at brothers and sisters, they're the same ones mentioned in verse 12, who Paul's writing to. So he's writing to the whole church in Philippi. So it must be most of the people around him become more courageous. And it shows us, it reminds us that when we speak about the gospel, it's not just one person speaking to many people. It's um, one person speaking to one other person or two other people or something like that. And it's not just the, the elite special Christians who it's good for them to speak about Christ. It's the very ordinary Christians, ordinary Christians like you and ordinary Christians like me. That's what Paul thinks is exciting. Another surprising aspect is, you pick up the motives of those who are speaking about Christ. They weren't always great, were they? Verse 15, it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. Or verse 17, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. Now it's interesting, isn't it? If, if that was me, and I'm writing, and there's someone preaching with false, false motives, I'd want to say, stop. And if you're preaching with false motives to hurt me, I want to say, really stop. But that's not Paul's priority. Because the message matters, uh, it matters more than the motives. You see that verse 18? They want to stir up trouble for him, but verse 18, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. See, that's, that's the important thing, whether Christ is preached. If we were to sit down and wait till our motives are right, I reckon we'd be waiting a while. And Paul says, no, the important thing, the thing that really matters, is that Christ is preached. Um, I, I have no doubt that it's good to have good motives. And I think it'd be great for us to have good motives and speak about Christ from, pure, from a pure heart. But I don't think we should wait for it. If we waited for a pure heart, we'd be waiting a while. Uh, a couple of years ago, the staff at Holy Tree in Adelaide uh, sat down and had a discussion about how they could see more people converted, what steps they might take. And they decided that they would do evangelism. I guess it's a fairly sensible decision, isn't it? And um, over the next couple of years, so since then, they've seen about, um, Ben can correct me if I'm wrong, they've seen about one person uh, confess faith in Christ for the first time, sort of a, a new convert to Christ, per week since then. Dramatically more than what happened before then. Now I reckon if they'd sat there and said in that meeting, they talked about what they were going to do and they thought what we should do is we should get our motives right. We should make sure that we're not talking about Christ so that our churches are bigger than the next church down the road or so that we get more converts than the next church down the road or so that we prove other people wrong. We've got to get our motives straight. I reckon they'd still be sitting there trying to get their motives straight. But instead they said, no, no, let's proclaim Christ. Let's tell others about Christ. And people have been turning to Christ. So let's um, follow what Paul says is important, and that is the message of Christ matters. And follow the example of those people from Holy Trinity Adelaide and tell others. So that's point one, that Christ's message matters. And second point in this passage is that Christ's glory 
matters. So you've just heard that uh, Paul is in prison. Uh, he's in chains for Christ. But what does he hope for? Does he hope to get out? Does he hope to, um, if he does die, die quickly and comfortably without pain? Well, he doesn't actually, does he? He hopes that he'll have the courage to make Christ look good. Have a look at verse 20. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. See, Paul's big hope is not to escape. Paul's big hope is to make Christ look good because that is what he's about. A few years ago, I was at a uh, Christian conference and a man was being interviewed who was, uh, had a ministry to doctors and to medical students. And he'd started this ministry from pretty much nothing and, and had gone quite well and was looking pretty successful. And he was called up on the, the stage and I guess he was ready to be asked questions about this. But instead, the man he was interviewing him said, Ken... What are you? And Ken stood there and looked and he <laughs> just had no answer. And the man said again, Ken, what are you? He still wasn't prepared, still no answer. Starting to look a bit panicked at this point. Then finally the third time the compare said to him, Ken, what are you? And he managed to come out with, I am a golfer. <laughs> I, think, I think poor old Ken... Um, not his finest moment, perhaps. Um, and I think had he had his time over, had he thought about the question before he went up, might have said something more along the lines of, I'm a Christian. So we're going to follow Paul's example. Uh, Paul hopes that Christ is exalted. Paul describes his life. His life is, you see it, verse 20? To me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. When we think about our priorities our attitude to our friends, our relationships, what we want. It's not about us to be liked or us to be respected or well thought of. Our attitude should be that we want to see Christ glorified and we want to live such a way that that happens. It's not easy. It's often said that it's, was it easier to die for your principles than to live by them? It's difficult, isn't it, to want to see Christ glorified. But that matters, and that should, uh, should affect everything we do, our relationships and everything. Well, finally, um, we see in this passage that Christ's church matters. See, Paul seems to have this choice going on about what he's going to do. He describes at the end of verse 22, or in verse 22, if I'm going to living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But then verse 24, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So what's he choose? Verse 25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain. So his priority is it's better to die. That would be a better thing for him. Uh, now, whether he's choosing or whether he's trying to read what God will do with him, um, his choice, what's important 
is that he will remain because it's more necessary for the Philippians. And of course, when I do say Christ church matters, I'm not talking about the building. I'm so thankful that we meet in a school hall because I've been to too many churches where it becomes about the building. Um, the building becomes some special place and you can only speak in a certain voice inside the building. Or you must, um, they talk about the altar and they talk about the tabernacle. And then they talk about um, the table. We had a very special table at the first church I went to when I became a Christian. It's not what it's about, is it? Christ church is about the people. Um, I've, I've preached this sermon several times, I, I confess now. Um, when I first preached it, I had uh, Christ's message matters, Christ's glory matters, and I wanted to maintain the pattern, but I did not want to say church because I was worried that people would associate it with buildings. So I said Christ's people matters. And of course people went, oh, you can't say that. can't say that. It's a wrong grammar. So please think people, but if it makes you upset because of the grammar, church. It's the church that matters. Um, I think because Christ's church matters, um, that's what Paul sees as important. Um, I think it means that we shouldn't run off straight away after church. We should hang around, um, encourage others, make the effort. Uh, there is some truth in the saying that the one who leads church last is the most godly. I thought about that this morning. I thought perhaps that also means the one who gets here first is, is also the most godly um, by that logic. But I didn't want to think about that too much because I'm very rarely first. Um, with the exception this morning, I was almost going to take a photo and put it up on the PowerPoint to show you that, look whose car is here first in that car park. But I didn't want to draw too much attention because he might point out to me every other week. <laughs> so, anyway, that's how it is. So, uh, the church is important. It means that we don't just run off. We do hang around. We do encourage others um, who belong to it. And it means we don't just talk about uh, unimportant things, dare I say it, like politics uh, or sport or the weather. We talk about things that actually matter, encouraging each other in our faith. And it's interesting what Paul says is important. So when he's talking about this church, he's not just talking about it's more necessary for you, convinced of this I know will remain, verse 25. And what for? What's he looking for from the people? And I'll continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So what he sees as important for Christians is not just uh, them being there and persevering, but that they progress in the faith and they have joy in the faith. See, Paul doesn't want to see the Philippians and make them miserable and worn down. Um, Christianity is something to be happy about, something that should give us joy. And Paul wants to say, it's joyful. See, in this passage, when he's talking about what's important, Joy is a fairly common theme. Uh, in verse 18, uh, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, he says, and goes and describe it. So sort of three, three times he takes great pains to mention the joy uh, that's involved in being a Christian. A couple of years ago, I was actually um, had been quite enjoying church, and I thought it might be a good thing to ask some other Christians I knew um, how their church was. And I thought it might be fun if I said, "Is your church a happy place? Is, you know, do, do you find going to church a happy experience or something like that?" And um, I was interested in the responses. Uh, one of the responses, particularly, I was interested in was that 
and says, oh, look, you don't go to church to be happy. And you're going, oh. Really? I mean, yes, yes, kind of. But on the other hand, why? Why is it not happy? Like, um, Paul wants to continue with these Christians for their progress and joy in the faith. It's not just progress, it's joy as well. It should be a good thing. Not always easy, but there is joy even um, in hard times, isn't there? Enjoying the faith. I remember if, um, most of you will know Carolyn White, and it makes it easy to talk about her that she's not here today. Um, a few years ago, she was a chaplain at Paringa Primary. I think I got the details right. And uh, Julie, who was one of the mothers uh, from that school, got to know Carolyn a bit. And um, she said to Carolyn, I want what you've got. Now, I think if Carolyn walked around all day with a very long face and looking very sad, I'm not really sure that Julie would have wanted what Carolyn had. But because um, Carolyn had uh, not just a faith, but a joyful faith, um, Julie wanted that. And uh, she came along, she came to church, she learnt much about Jesus uh, from here before she moved to New South Wales eventually. Um, it's a great thing, isn't it? Not just faith, um, not just the church, but the church that has joy. So, uh, from this passage, we've seen from Paul, we've seen uh, three things that matter. We've seen that Christ's message matters, Christ's glory matters, and Christ's church matters. So let's uh, tell us about Jesus. Let's set our minds on, uh, not on our own comfort, but on making Christ look good. And let's um, relate to Christ's people uh, so that together we have joy in our faith. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the love you've shown us in your Son. Uh, we thank you that you've given us to him. Uh, we pray that uh, we'll live as we should, focusing on his glory, focusing on spreading his word, and focusing on helping uh, each other to continue in the faith and also have great joy in what you've done for us. We pray these things.